0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, it's an atrocity. That was President Joe Biden responding to a question about the election reform measures in Georgia on Friday, saying it's an atrocity. So far, 43 states are addressing the problems that surfaced in last November's election. Why are Democrats so concerned about the efforts of Georgia and the 42 other states? Well, I'll ask Georgia Governor Brian Kemp when he joins us in just a moment. And earlier today, the South Dakota House of Representatives soundly rejected the style informed veto by Governor Kristi Noem on the Fairness in Women's Sports Act. Governor Noem then issued what is, in essence, a formal veto of the measure. We'll be joined by the author of the bill, Representative Rhonda Milstead a little later here on Washington Watch. And one of the concerns that Governor Noem said in opposing the bill, which she originally supported, was that South Dakota would stand alone in facing the woke mob, big business and the NCAA. But other states have already taken this stand. We'll be joined by the author of the Arkansas version of the Women's Sports Act, Senator Missy Thomas. And then over the weekend as I was traveling, uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo alerted me to the fact that the Chinese Communist government had sanctioned me as the vice chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, along with the chair, Gail Manchin, because of our criticism of the Communist government's brutal and repressive actions against their own people. Gordon Chang joins me later here on Washington Watch for the latest out of China. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free platform, three free conversation platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. It's good to be back behind the microphone. Uh, as I was out last week, my thanks for Joseph filling in as I was out on the, the West Coast. Let me remind you again, uh, if you want to stay in touch with us, best way is to download the Stand Firm app. That way you can listen to Washington Watch If you're outside the reach of one of the 800 stations that carries Washington Watch, you can still listen each and every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Stand firm. It's in the App Store. Go ahead and download it. Make your smartphone even smarter. All right. A major election reform bill was signed into law by Georgia Governor Brian Kemp on Thursday, and it was criticized the next day by the president as he said it was an atrocity. Well, the left and the, the media, meanwhile, continue to falsely decry the legislation as racist, despicable, voter suppression, an attack on our democracy. You know, quite frankly, it makes me wonder if they've even read the bill. To make my point, here's a little bit more of what President Biden had to say about the bill.
1: An atrocity. The idea, if you want any indication that it has nothing to do with fairness, nothing to do with decency, They passed a law saying you can't provide water for people standing in line while they're waiting to vote. You don't need anything else to know that this is
0: nothing
2: but punitive designed to keep people from voting.
0: Well, joining us now is uh, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. Governor, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on, Tony. Good to be with you.
0: So, Governor, let me ask you this question. Does this deny water to those who are standing in line to vote?
1: Oh, man, I tell you, I almost feel sorry for the president that he was so misinformed, obviously, by his handlers, uh, not knowing what the bill says. Of course, people can be handed water or or a water station could be provided by the election. Poll workers at the precinct or early voting location. But, uh, no, we're not going to allow him or me or any other candidate or third-party groups to hand out favors to voters while they're standing in line. And that's within 150 feet of the polling location. If it's outside of that, you know, it's fair game for people to put up signs and campaign to hand out pamphlets and other things. But we just don't want voters to be bothered or intimidated while they're in line. So that's just factually not correct. And I'm not sure where he got that from. I personally think they're trying to distract, speaking of water, of the dam busting on our southern border and people flooding into the country. Uh,
0: That, I think, would be accurate. Uh, But now that we've established what the bill does not do, let's talk, Governor, about what the bill actually does do. And I know this is in response to what happened in November and concerns about the November election. So let's talk about what this bill does do.
1: Yeah, really, it's uh, very simple. It makes it easy to vote and hard to cheat. And uh, you know, I've always pushed for secure, accessible third elections in our state. And this bill simply replaces an antiquated, arbitrary signature match with a voter ID, which is free in Georgia for absentee ballots by mail. It secures ballot drop boxes around the clock. It requires our poll workers to continue tabulating ballots until all the votes are counted. And then the really good thing, which is even more surprising that the president would weigh in about how how bad the bill is, it expands voting access, especially on the weekends during our early voting process, where his own state of Delaware is not near as generous as the state of Georgia is when it comes to early voting opportunities and access.
0: So, so, Governor, I mean, a lot of criticism uh, kind of going into Georgia uh, about the elections in, in Georgia. Now, you were formerly the Secretary of State, so you had responsibilities over elections. Now, uh, this past election in November, because of the coronavirus and uh, a lot of actions that were taken, sometimes unilaterally in some states, this exposed some weaknesses in our system. And that is why we've seen 43 states, including your own, Uh, introduce somewhere upwards of 250 different pieces of legislation to address these issues.
1: Yeah, and you know, one of the pieces that's in this bill was actually a Democrat's idea dealing with, you know, when you got to have, when you can request absentee ballot, uh, if you're going to vote by mail, and when you got to mail that back. Uh, You know, there's been a lot of warnings from the Postal Service that you need to allow for two weeks to get your Vote back in, so that was addressed in the in the uh, legislation with an 11-day uh, period prior to the election. You got to get your ballot mailed before that. That's assuring, ensuring that that voter's ballot's going to be received and be counted and and not be left uncounted because it gets to the polling lo- or to the uh, elections officials late. Uh, that was a democratic idea, so you know it's really dealing with a lot of the. Structural, mechanical things that we had problems with. Voters not being or, or groups that were monitoring the returns not being able to get close enough to that process, dealing with that. Long lines at polling locations. I mean, the whole thing with the water issue, Tony. my question is, why are people standing in line long enough to have to have water in food? They shouldn't have to do that. This bill addresses how many... Voting machines and how much equipment you should have at each precinct based on the number of voters that are going to be coming through there. And if long lines develop, uh, it it makes the counties uh, adapt to that and and put measures in that will speed the process up. Of course, you're not here and not mentioned by any on the left. And then really the voter ID requirement on absentee ballot by mail, by taking away the signature match process, which is arbitrary in, in many cases, in the talks that I've had with county elections officials, and I've worked with a lot of them that I still know. I did that for nine years. They feel like this will make the process better for them. It'll make it more efficient, and it'll speed it, speed it up, which will allow us to get the results out quicker.
0: So, so Governor, uh, there's nothing in the description that you've given me of the bill of what it actually does that, to me, sounds racist, despicable. Uh, a targeted effort to suppress voters – or an attack on a democracy. It actually sounds like the the opposite of that.
1: Well, it absolutely is. And that's what's so frustrating about the mainstream media. And I really appreciate you helping us just simply getting the truth out. And that's what I've told people. You know, don't believe the rhetoric, don't believe the, you know, Jim Crow 2.0 is simply not true. And people are lying to you and they're purposely misinforming you. Lots of people that are running these third party groups are making a lot of money by doing this. The playbook for this Tony was devised, you know long before anybody even knew what was going to be in the final bill when you think about the domain name being secured, Jim Crow 2.0, you know weeks or perhaps even over a month ago before anybody even knew what the final version was going to look like. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, the truth is on our side here. It's fixing a lot of broken mechanics here. It's addressing problems that people had concerns about, but it's also providing more access, especially on the weekends for the early voting period.
0: So, Governor Kemp, what you were just talking about, that uh, there are those that are saying things that are not true about it. They are not focusing on what the bill actually does. Uh, is, there an, big, is there a bigger agenda here? When you look at uh, you know these, the fact that you're not alone, 43 other, 42 other states have taken actions to correct problems that surfaced during this last election. Of course, uh, the Democrats moving hard with H.R. 1 uh, here in Washington to push through uh, basically a, a measure that would solidify some of the abnormalities that took place in this last election. Is there a bigger agenda here?
1: Well, you got to assume that it is, Tony. I mean, I I can't imagine that the president of the United States would weigh in on a a bill like this that is adding access and simply requiring a a voter ID for absentee ballot by mail, which most Georgians and most Americans support. We've been using voter ID in Georgia since the mid-2000s, and minority participation has actually increased every year since then. We had huge turnout obviously when I won in two thousand and eighteen of the African American vote. And we saw the uh with Latino and, and Asian as well. And I think it is. It's to, for them to drive that. Oh,
0: I think we lost the governor. They, Let's see. They want her. We're we're you're fading in and out I, on his governor.
1: I'm sorry about that. But I do think it's uh, just part of the agenda to do the unconstitutional power grab and push through H.R. 1, which would be a disaster and nationalize elections in our country, which, as you know, our founders very cautiously worked against early on by allowing states to run elections right. to prevent foreign interference.
0: Right, absolutely. One final uh, question for you, Governor. This is not new to Georgia. Uh, you've had others threatening boycott over religious freedom, protections, and other matters. Now you have the left actually calling for boycotts because you're protecting the integrity of your election systems. What do you say to them?
1: Well, it's really sad that people will do this to great Georgia businesses and corporations and the hard work of Georgians that are employed there. We- we're in the, when we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic and many of these businesses have been struggling, uh, thankfully we've been working with our business community. They know what's in the bill. Uh, I believe that they're being unfairly targeted, and I hope that at the end of the day it ends up punishing those that are pushing this narrative. It's ridiculous. Uh,
0: I would agree with you on that, Governor. Governor, thanks so much for uh, joining us, and uh, uh, I'm glad you're leading the way on this election reform. I hope the other states follow your lead.
1: Thanks for having me on, Tony. God bless and happy
0: Easter. All right. Thanks so much, Governor Kemp of Georgia. And look, I I do hope the other states will follow the lead of Georgia and put comprehensive election reform measures, not just uh, on the legislative agenda, but on the law books in their states, because this is essential, that we protect the integrity of our elections. Uh, I I don't need to tell you. You know that. But here's the good news is that states are doing it. Washington wouldn't want you to know that. I say Washington, the Democrats, and the media, they want you to think that nothing's being done, and so therefore we must have H.R. 1 to protect our elections. No, that is to, as I mentioned earlier, this would cement in place the abnormalities that led to the election outcomes which have left most most Americans with less than confidence in our election system and for good reason and for good reason all right coming up next the south dakota house of representatives overwhelmingly rejecting the governor's style in form veto but uh, the governor turned around and issued what is in essence another veto we'll talk about it next don't go away
3: hey matt
4: hey hannah
3: What's going on? Why so gloomy?
4: Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it.
3: Oh yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do?
4: Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it.
3: Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When
4: did they start? I, I would be so far behind.
3: Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading.
4: Nice. Where can I find this?
3: Go to frc.org Bible and you can get started.
4: Where's that again?
3: frc.org Bible.
4: Got it. Checking it out now.
3: In our time,
4: North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, The World's Foremost Violator of Religious Freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash
0: Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website tonyperkins.com. So good to have you with us. Good to be back behind the microphone. Earlier today, by an overwhelming uh, 67 to 2 vote, the South Dakota House of Representatives uh, sent back to the governor, Governor Kristi Noem, uh, her style-informed veto of House Bill 1217, the Fairness in Women's Sports Act. Well, shortly. After that, Governor Noem again returned the bill to the legislature saying she could not sign it. And the House, I understand, just moments ago, uh, refused to override the veto, falling a few votes short of that. Joining me now to talk about the latest development in South Dakota is the author of the bill, Representative Rhonda Milstead. Uh, Rhonda, welcome to the program. Thank you. All right. Uh, give us the latest. Uh, what, what just transpired there on the floor of the South Dakota House?
5: Well, um, we strongly debated the bill. Um, we had good testimony on the bill, but we fell two votes short of um, of overriding the veto. And uh, I mean, actually, we had the we had fifty two votes in February. Um, now we had forty five, which is two votes short. And the, the unfortunate thing is. Um, There is nothing about that bill that has weakened. Um, It still carries all the same protections and fairness. Um, So understanding why people would switch their vote other than they were lobbied very hard by the governor to oppose the bill. And and that's a disappointing part. Um, You know, when you keep hearing this message that I'm all over fair sports, fairness in sports, why would you fight it?
0: Right. Well, the governor may been successful in sustaining her veto but I'm not so sure she sustained sustained her conservative credentials because as you said this is a bill common sense bill Uh, Mississippi's passed a bill like this Idaho has passed a bill like this Arkansas has passed a bill simply protecting women's sports that if you're a biological male you cannot participate in female sports what's hard about that
5: it's common sense you know and and people out on the street I mean mean, actually South Dakotans that's insanity to them that we would even be considering something like this. And for us to have to come back on veto day, that's the only thing that was on our plate was that. Uh, just doesn't even make sense. Uh, I think, you know, I, I testified in, um, on the floor that there were uh, multiple, multiple, twice as many organizations that are, have family values, um, that have some very um, good core values, some faith values, and, and they are 100% behind this but you had five organizations that weren't. And so those are the organizations saying, um, you know what, it's all about the dollar. It's all about our image. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate. And that's what we we let those people dictate to us um, what our values should be. And, and that's unfortunate. South Dakota is a state that has integrity. People are moving here because of our integrity. Uh, and and I, I think we've let them down.
0: So who are those groups that uh, that essentially we saw the governor and others sell out to
5: oh gosh um the women's human rights coalition the um wolf women's liberation front um concern women of america american principles project alliance defending freedom um now those were all the Catholic ones on the, on the
0: right side of the the issue that wanted to see this bill go through but who were the ones lobbying to kill this bill in south dakota
5: well, originally in committee, the ones lobbying were the Chamber of Commerce, the Sports Authority, the Board of Regents, um, the school district, the Athletic Association. They were lobbying against it. But over the past week, it's the governor's office itself that has been lobbying very hard um, on legislatures to get them to accept a, a week bill and then um, not override another bill. I mean, some legislators were getting three and four calls just consistent um, to not go along with this.
0: So, uh, Representative Milstead, what, what was the motivation here for the governor and the style-informed veto? It simply took out the teeth of it, so it, it, and it only applied to uh, uh, secondary uh, education. Elementary and secondary education did not touch college-level uh, college sports. So, what, what what was the driver behind the governor here vetoing this legislation?
5: Well, I I guess the things that came out that she said originally she thought it was a poorly written bill Um, wasn't a poorly written bill. The bill was um, kind of a template that came from Alliance Defending Freedom that was tweaked by our own Legislative Research Council. It's a bill that is very similar to others that have been passed, Idaho, uh, a year ago. So the bill was well vetted. It wasn't poorly written. But then later on, I mean, she was opposing it because she thought we would be challenged um, in court. The NCAA would challenge us. She thought there would be legal challenges. Um, But it it was a defensible bill. Um, And and taking the teeth out of the bill, not only that, um, but there was a – originally we put in um, that you had to fill out a form indicating um, your sex. And um, sorry, I'm not remembering the other things. There were three things that you had to identify, but one of them was your sex. And so, so she changed that to a birth certificate. Well, in the state of South Dakota, if you want to change your birth certificate, you can.
0: Right. Uh, very quickly, so what's next for the effort to protect women's sports in South Dakota?
5: I think we'll have to wait till next year and introduce something again. Wow. Um, but we'll start working on it again, hope that she'll um, not be an absent executive and um, participate in the process with us instead of waiting till the last week.
0: Wow, how tragic. Um... Well, you, you put forth a valiant effort, in, uh, and so did the majority of members of the South Dakota legislature. So uh, Representative Milstead, thanks so much for your efforts, and thanks for joining us here today.
5: Thank you, and thank you for what you're doing. We appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Rhonda. Rhonda mm-hmm. Milstead uh, with the South Dakota House of Representatives. Uh, wow. The, uh, now I don't know how the governor is going to deal with this. Governor Christy Noam, who was, uh, you know, she, uh, took a, a really strong stand when it came to the coronavirus and those wanting to shut down the state. She left the state open, and to her credit, it worked out well. This, I'm not so sure about. Uh, I'm not sure how she bounces back from this. But we're going to take a look next uh, at one of the other states that uh, passed this legislation. Arkansas State Senator Missy Thomas is going to be uh, joining us to uh, discuss that state, why they took the steps that they took, and um, we're going to be visiting with her. And um, still to come, we're going to be talking with uh, Gordon Chang about what's happening in China as they sanctioned me, along with uh, Gail Manchin, the chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. He is the vice chair over the weekend announcing those sanctions. What does that mean? And how desperate is China? Why are they taking these actions? We're going to talk with uh, Gordon Chang a little bit later here on Washington Watch. All right. Let me encourage you to download the Stand Firm app. That way, you can stay in touch with Washington Watch and legislative actions that you can take to weigh in on bills like what we just heard about in South Dakota. Clearly, the actions by the governor there does not represent the vast majority of the folks there in South Dakota. Anyway. Don't go away. We're coming back after this.
2: The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash china. Oh, man.
3: What's wrong?
2: I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today.
3: Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? with the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep. You can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow. I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh?
0: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. All right, late last week, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson signed into law the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, the same bill we were talking about just moments ago that was in South Dakota that died today, did not make it across the finish line. Well, he made his state the third in the nation, second this year to approve legislation designed to keep girls and women's sports limited to biological females. On Friday, Tennessee became the fourth uh, state with a a similar bill, a little different, but similar. Uh, With me now to talk about the efforts to defend female sports is the lead sponsor of Arkansas's Fairness in Women's Sports Act, State Senator Missy Thomas Irvin. Senator, welcome to the program.
6: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure and an honor.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you joined um, a host of other Republicans. But Republicans and I think at least 20 state legislatures have been working uh, on similar legislation this year. What What was the driving force for you? What, why did you see this as so important?
6: You know, I... I come from a very small town in Arkansas and um, my little girls and they wanted to play soccer so badly and so I fought really really hard um, as well as a whole group of young ladies they wanted to play soccer for their, their school and they didn't have the ability to do that and so I um, raised money, I volunteered to be a high school girls soccer coach, and I coached those young ladies and went before the school board, went before the school administration and fought hard just so that they would have the opportunity to play the sport that they grew up playing and that they loved for their high school. So I know firsthand how hard it is even today, 50 years after Title IX has passed, for young ladies to have that equal athletic opportunity and equal athletic competition ability um, and then also to uh, work to fulfill their goals and their dreams and to earn scholarships at the at the next level and so I, I I witnessed it you know and felt it firsthand because we they had to fight hard just to get that equal access to the playing field and right. so when I saw what had happened in Connecticut um, to those two young girls that were the tracks Track athletes who had worked their entire lives, and I have daughters that ran track and competed in pole vaulting and and um, different track events as well as soccer and golf. Um, you know, it really bothered me so much that uh, the men, that men specifically, men were really trying to work to dismantle girls' sports and were seeking the ability to have an unfair advantage and win those titles and those spots on the podium. And that's not right.
0: I think, well, I know based on polling that the majority of Americans agree with you on that. The governor of South Dakota, as we just talked about, there was a similar bill there. She essentially let it die today. Um, and one of the concerns that she expressed was that it would open the state up to immediate litigation that they were most certain to lose. Did, Is that a concern that you have in Arkansas?
6: No, I think you saw strongly that the majority of our uh, Arkansas legislature in the House and in the Senate, and then that, of course, was backed up by the governor who signed our bill. There was huge, broad support for this legislation. And the people of the state of Arkansas have to have a voice. And like you said, the majority of Arkansans supported this policy and this legislation. And they are willing to go to battle for what their voice is and for what they stand for. Mm -hmm. And that's what we should be doing in America. We cannot roll over and just let people threaten us to be silent, threaten us to not stand up for what we believe in, threaten us to to not take a stand for something that we all know is the right common sense policy in order to protect girls' opportunities when it comes to athletic events. And so, you know, it's unfortunate. I I think that was a bad decision, um, unfortunately, uh, for the governor of South Dakota not to work with her legislature and support those efforts by those lawmakers, because clearly these young girls should have the ability to bring about a defense for a wrong which has occurred to them.
0: Yeah. Well, oh, Missy, I can just say this. I'm glad you have a seat there in the uh, Arkansas State Senate because clearly you're not going to be silent on these issues that are, as you said, common sense issues. One, one final question for you. Uh, the NCAA leaning heavily on the South Dakota governor, you know, encouraging her to move away from this bill. Has there been any threats from the NCAA of uh, boycotting uh, Arkansas?
6: Not to me. (laughs) Um, Not to me and not that I'm aware of. Um, And I honestly, you know, I'm not sure if they've seen I I have not personally seen anything publicly that they have stated or put forward. And so I will say that the state of Mississippi is strong in the SEC, as is the state of Arkansas. Arkansas competing tonight in the elite eight. Go Arkansas Razorbacks. I hope they win and beat Baylor Bears. Um, but, you know, we are a strong SEC, NCAA state, as is the state of Mississippi when you have Ole Miss and Mississippi State and many other colleges there that compete at high levels um, in the SEC. So it's, it's that, that's a little remarkable to me, yeah. actually. And I don't, I actually haven't seen anything from the NCAA. And in fact, our arkansas activities association which is our state organization they thanked us for the bill they supported my bill
0: well i don't really think you're going to hear much from them because here's here's what happens when you when you stand up resolute and you don't cave uh, they mm-hmm. usually go away i mean this is That's this right. is this you know you don't negotiate with terrorists and these are cultural terrorists and you just uh, they, you don't negotiate
6: exactly, with them. exactly. And I think that the people of the America, I mean, the United States of America, the people in this country, we are sick and tired of this woke political correctness, culture, insanity that's going on in sports. And people are tuning off. They're turning their TVs off. They are not going to participate when NFL players do not stand for the American anthem. Right. They are not going to participate when to get basketball honest sport. and in-depth
1: commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country, or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com.
7: Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging there is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org.
8: What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com.
0: I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch. Sorry about that. That last segment, I got uh, wrapped up in my conversation with Arkansas State Senator Missy Thomas Irvin and missed the break. We went right into the break. I don't know that it's ever happened before that that uh, has occurred, so my apologies. Uh, But the invitation to her is to come back at any time. That's the type of state legislators we need all across the country. And maybe you're one of those moms out there that's gotten involved with your children's schools, sports, um, any number of things, or dads. But I tell you what, we need passionate people who will be just like she was and say, look, we're not going to be silent in the face of this nonsense, and we're going to speak up. We're not going to be intimidated. Maybe she should go to South Dakota and run for governor there. That's what we need, someone that won't be intimidated by the woke crowd. And I really cowardice is at the list at the top of the list of things that I just cannot tolerate Uh, it really is I mean it's just one of those things that bothers me when people know what is right and they're afraid to do the right thing in fact the scripture even mentioned that in Revelation it's at the the the, you know it it talks about cowardice for good reason all right Uh, 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 well I guess it's a good transition because China apparently is like the uh the n c a a and others who want to bully those who speak out against the repressive tactics they use against their own people, as I mentioned I, I was out last week, I was actually traveling over the weekend, and I got a text from former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo saying, "Did you see that China added you to the list?" i wasn't sure what list he was referring to, uh, but then he followed up and let me know that Uh, over the weekend, Gail Manchin, who is the chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom this year, last year I was the chair, this year she is the chair and I'm the vice chair, that they sanctioned the two of us uh, in response to our condemnation of that country's human rights violations and abuses against the predominantly Muslim Uyghurs and members of other ethnic and religious minority groups. Um, China also Sanctioned uh, Canadian lawmaker Michael Chong, uh, vice chair of the Parliament's Standing Committee on Foreign Affairs and International Development. Now, according to my next guest, China may have to sanction a whole lot more people if they are targeting anyone who calls out China's Communist Party's genocidal crimes against religious and ethnic minorities in that country. With me now to talk about it is Gordon G. Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S. China. Tech war. He can be found on Twitter with the handle at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, welcome back to the program.
9: Well, thank you, Tony, and congratulations on being sanctioned by China. It's a great honor. So we very much send our best to you.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for that, Gordon. My my sense is that Th- they're starting to feel the pressure from the international community, because we're, we're not the only ones talking about it. Obviously, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, this is a high priority for us. But other countries have spoken out as the curtain has been drawn back, pulled back on the repressive tactics that they've been using on their own people. I think this is a, is a part of trying to save face internationally.
9: Yes, and, and it's not just the United States. It's also Canada, Britain, and the European Union, Uh, There is condemnation across the world at this. And Beijing finds itself cornered, and right now it is lashing out. It is going after, for instance, companies, um, most notably H&M, the Swedish uh, retailer, um, but against other companies as well. And I think that this is really surprising in a sense, because if you go back about six months, maybe a year, people were saying, oh, you know, nobody really cares about the Uyghurs. Well, China cares about the Uyghurs. And it, what it did was it went out and engaged in tactics, which just the rest of the world abhorred. And now the world is starting to come together on this.
0: So who might be next on, the, on China's list?
9: It, it really could be anybody. Um, and it's largely, I think, going to be foreign companies, because we have seen Beijing intimidate some companies. You talked about cowardice. Some companies actually did withdraw their statements on Xinjiang cotton, which is what uh, many companies have uh, issued statements on. Um, but we're seeing China go after and lashing out after uh, foreign businesses. So I'd imagine more of them. There's going to be a struggle. China is going to intimidate companies, and consumers are then going to react. And companies are going to find themselves they, – they want to do business in China, so they want to adhere to Communist Party rules. But nonetheless – They've got to sell to us. So we've got inordinate power over these companies like H&M, like Nike, and like the others.
0: Would they have taken this action uh, if Donald Trump was still president?
9: You know, I don't think so. Um, but right now, um, they, they were very afraid of uh, President Trump. Uh, and they were afraid of him not because he was taking um, measures that he didn't like, but because he was unpredictable and he was not controllable. They look at Biden, and first of all, they don't respect him. They think they own him. And we know this. This is not just speculation, because we hear this from elite voices in Beijing. Um, but they believe that the United States is in terminal decline. Um, and I think there are some real problems going on in Beijing, because they're lashing out at a number of different targets all at the same time. This is, they're using cultural revolution-style language um, against right. diplomats in Canada, for instance. This is getting to be serious.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they uh, the, the actual wording they used in their sanction against me and Gail is that uh, if we don't back off, we're going to get our fingers burned, uh, which I found uh, kind of is a veiled threat.
9: Yes, it, it is a, a threat, and, um, you know, many people may say that's figurative, but, you know, they would very much like to do that. I mean, they do that to their own people. They certainly would do it to foreigners if they had the opportunity.
0: So being sanctioned by China, as I understand it, means I can't go to mainland China, I can't go to Hong Kong, and people in China can't do business with me. Um, That's the extent of the sanction. I don't know if it still means that I can shop at Walmart, since most of their products are made in China or not. Um, But uh, uh, clearly these sanctions are not going to affect me because I had no plans to go to China. Our efforts actually to go there as commissioners have been rebuffed repeatedly by the Chinese Communist Party.
9: Yes, and no American should go to China right now, including Hong Kong, because it's exceedingly dangerous. They're taking foreigners as hostages, as we know about the two Canadians, the two Michaels, as they're called. And so it's not safe for foreigners in China right now.
0: So what does the Biden administration need to be doing in response to this escalation, um, baseless sanctioning that is taking place by China?
9: I think that in general, the Biden administration should be imposing imposing the most severe costs on China um, for a number of things, including sanctions on you, um, Mrs. Manchin, and others. Um, Right now, we hear the, the, the Biden team talk about calling on China to do this or to do that, and they have imposed some pretty meaningless sanctions on the Chinese in connection with Hong Kong and with Xinjiang. But they really need to step this up, largely because if we don't, they, don't, they will not respect us. We heard Secretary of State Blinken yesterday talk to uh, CNN saying they don't want to impose costs on China for the coronavirus. Well, today, um, I think we've crossed the 550,000 death mark from coronavirus, a disease that Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, deliberately spread beyond China's borders. There's got to be some cost because we need to deter the Chinese from doing this again.
0: Gordon Chang as we you know as i mentioned i think china's actions here is to save face, face. i think they're i think they're becoming a little desperate um, to take these types of actions this would suggest to me that china has some vulnerabilities what in your view is china's greatest vulnerabilities right now that could be I use the term exploited or taken advantage of by the Biden administration to put greater pressure to address the human rights issues that have been the focus of the international community.
9: Well, one of them we don't talk about, which could be the greatest short-term vulnerability, is the inability of China to feed itself. It was having problems through 2019, um, but last year was a terrible year for food security. And that's why they bought more and more of U.S. ag, and they bought more ag around the world. Um, Long term, their greatest vulnerability is the demographics. They're going to lose at least two-thirds of their population this century, probably more, maybe even as much as three-quarters. China is going to suffer the worst demographic collapse in history in the absence of war or pestilence. There are so many other problems, Tony, from the economy to their environment, you name it.
0: So they're not really, when you look at long-term, they're not ascending, it's more of a blip. Uh, and because of the demographics, their one-child policy being a great uh, uh, you know, fuel for that demographic decline, um, we just need to take policies that basically keep them at bay and in and, and, and check.
9: Yes, absolutely. I mean, if we can get through, this is a very terrible time. It's a time where China can lash out. 2020s, I think, are the period of the greatest vulnerability to China. You know, people talk about 2030s, 2040s, when they assume China will be ascendant. No, the problems are now. We can get through this decade. We probably can coast through the end of the century.
0: So they are vulnerable, therefore more prone to take drastic actions to try to head off that decline.
9: Yes, and we're seeing this right now as they're trying to take that uh, reef from the Philippines, Whitsun Reef. This is another act of aggression. They've also got their troops deep into India, um, into Nepal. They're threatening Taiwan and Japan. Um, All around their periphery, they're taking on their neighbors one by one. Uh, Actually, at the same time, this is not something that a stable regime does.
0: Any chance that, through di- diplomatic means, they could become a uh, you know, a-, a better neighbor in the global community?
9: Without the Communist Party, yes, we can get along with China. Um, we have gotten along with China for decades and decades and decades before the Communist Revolution. Um, we can get along with them, with a democratic government there. It's going to take some time for them to do that, but with the Communist Party? It's inherently hostile to us because we stand for freedom and democracy, and that, they believe, is an existential threat to them.
0: Which is why they are so repressive of their own people, to make sure that the Communist Party maintains that control over the country.
9: Absolutely. Absolutely. They're moving back to totalitarianism. It's no longer authoritarianism there. They're going to um, their social credit system, their surveillance cameras, all of their means of keeping the Chinese people in check. And also, most worryingly, in the last three or four weeks, their mass mobilization campaigns, reminiscent of the pre-cultural revolution period.
0: Mm. All right, Gordon, uh, one final question just to summarize. I know you already hit this, but just for the benefit of our listeners, top three items that you think the Biden administration should be doing right now as it pertains to China.
9: Uh, First thing, impose costs For the coronavirus epidemic. We can't let them um, think that they can spread it again. We've got to stop their theft of U.S. intellectual property, probably a half trillion dollars a year. And, you know, in terms of uh, genocide, um, we're a party to the genocide convention that requires us to stop genocide in China. Um, Whatever it takes, that's what we have to do. Those are the top three.
0: All right. Uh, Gordon C. Chang, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. As always, great to talk with you.
9: Thank you, Tony.
0: All right, Gordon G. Chang, and you can uh, find him on Twitter, at Gordon G. Chang. Uh, Folks, look, this is, uh, again, pointing to the contrast between administrations and why elections matter. You know, we've – I know last week I think there was some discussion about it, uh, about the border. I'm going to talk about it uh, tomorrow, Some going to be joined by Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton going to talk a little bit about that. He was one of those that made the trip to the border. Clearly a a, a contrast between this administration and the Trump administration. I was at the border about a year ago, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. It was like a ghost town. And now it's overrun because of policy changes. This issue of religious freedom. Look, the Trump administration, Mike Pompeo, made this, and the president, made this the top foreign policy objective, religious freedom, internationally. And this brought the rest of the world to focus on what was happening to the Uyghur Muslims. Now, it's not just the Uyghurs in Xinjiang. It is other religious minorities. It's Christians. It's people all across uh, across that country that the Chinese Communist Party see as a threat. But it is a violation of a fundamental human right, religious freedom. And in many cases, it's an oppressive, brutal suppression of that freedom. And we are right to speak out about it. And I can assure you that as long as I have a microphone, whether I'm on the commission of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom or I'm the host of Washington Watch, the president of the Family Research Council, or a pastor standing behind a pulpit, I will advocate for the persecuted everywhere, including China, and will not shrink back because of their intimidations. And the same should be said for all of us here in the United States of America, that we, too, will advocate for religious freedom for our own people here in this country, will not be intimidated by the woke elements of the left, whether it comes from the NCAA, whether it comes from Amazon, Big Tech, whomever. We should not be silent in the face of those cultural bullies. And and they feed upon weakness. And that's what's so sad about what uh, Governor Nome did. She will not appease them. Uh, They will come after her each and every time a bill that stands up for common sense and against the left's agenda crosses her desk. We'll pray for her. Pray for courage for all of our leaders. All right, folks, that, this time I'm not going to miss it. We're out of time. You hear that music. I want to thank you for joining us. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Download the Stand Firm app. Now tune in again tomorrow. As I mentioned, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas will be with us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says when you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.